smell of napalm in the morning. Smell! You know that gasoline smell? It smells like... Victory. Here we go. It's the first quarter to begin. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimped from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody's hands go up. And they stay there, and they say yeah. Lord of Base Action Jacks, I'm Tim Al. Greg Kappas in the studio, we have Matt Byrne on the board. Good morning. SP Futures up a quarter, 25 cents. NASDAQ Futures down 29, so that's all, all we have to show for the labor report. We're going to have Carl Denninger making his, uh, Greg, is it a normal Monday appearance uh, when the Friday is no trading, when there's a labor number? What is that, what is that once every s- seven years? That's, uh, you know, doesn't look like there's too much news, so good for me. So we got to talk about... Uh, we want to talk about some gold. We want to yeah, talk, we about, talk uh, about beans uh, or unch. Beans or beans or unch. Corns unch. Um, and take a look at wheat's up just a tad, but nothing crazy. We've got a report, a grain report tomorrow that should give us some guidance about a little bit more what the expectations are of this planting season coming up. Uh, what else we got? Oh, we had Easter weekend. Oh, we had Easter weekend. Well, you dudes are next week, right? Yes. Orthodox wait for Passover. So Passover, I believe, ends Thursday. Yep. And uh, Orthodox Easter is next Sunday. My uh, Yiddish clients have all disappeared. Well, the Orthodox ones have disappeared in the pens- the uh, into the temple the other day, and they won't come out for a week. Right. right. Uh, we had a couple guys. I think Andrew went to a Seder. Sundown on on Thursday, I think, is, is the end of Passover. Yeah, I think uh, Andrew, uh, our man Andrew, went to the, went to a seder. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, did you ever go to one of those? They're, got, they're pretty cool. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, then cook up some brisket too. I don't do brisket at a seder. Oh, there's the seven things you're supposed to have. Well, I, I guess don't you can cook whatever you want for something else, but <laughs> there's supposed to be specific things. You can cook else stuff, but you're supposed to have certain things. Was it bitter root and something, something? There's things that got to be on the plate, and then you have to have the. You have to have an empty fish. plate in, case, uh, in case Elijah shows up. Yeah, the uh, lamb shank on top of the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you getting meat on there, or is it just a lamb shank bone? I'm not positive. I'd have to consult our uh, resident experts on that, but I do know because of the um, the blood smeared, the lamb's blood smeared on the doors that continue the tradition with the on top of the uh, meat. Lamb shank's pretty good. Yeah. Got to cook it right, though. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we went, uh, my brother and I, um, well, he's pretty much into biking, and I was a little bit, too, so we went from, uh, did you ever bike on the I&M Canal Trail? Not me. Won't find me. Why is that? I don't know. I haven't had great luck on bikes. <laughs> There's a few, uh, few lines on my head because of those. Well, I mean, if you go on a trail, uh, there's no cars coming by. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a little... It's, I I only really like to bike on a trail. <laughs> I've tried a, a couple of jumps that didn't work out. <laughs> no, not that. We weren't doing that. But uh, 
if anybody really wants to uh, see a part of history of Chicago, of course, nobody knows anything anymore. And for those that don't know, the thing that really started Chicago was the I&M Canal, right? I&M. And uh, started the Board of Trade. Started, but anyway, but you, there's, a, there's a little piece that you can get on by uh, um, Western Springs and uh, Willow Springs. And you can take that for two and a half, three miles each way. But you can actually get in somewhere further down, get in, get on the trail. Wait, all, did you bike 100 miles? What? We did. Uh, <laughs> no way. No, we did uh, 40. Oh. What we, is that, half? Joliet? No, we went from uh, Shanahan to uh, Morris. Whoa. It was a ways. Yeah. But then once it stopped being like uh, the trail and just like a paved road next to it, we said screw it. And then it was, it was either Morris or Marseille, one of the two. Anyway, so we, so Dan, of course, my goofy brother says, uh, Goofy brother, president of PTI Securities. <laughs> he, he was like, well, should we start back? And I go, you know, this is where Audrey comes in. You see that bar over there? You see the little spot to tie the bikes up? I think we sit right there to call her and tell her to come get us. Oh, there! now we're thinking. Now we're thinking. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, so did we get down? The guy had frozen mugs, had a few beers. Aud came and got us and went to the beer stube. And they had a special that I haven't seen since. We go there once in a while. It's a German place down in uh, Frankfurt. The special was a veal shank, lamb shank, and uh, pork shank, all in this huge dish. It looked like the Fred Flintstone platter. That sounds really good. Oh, it was, well, boy, all right, break we, out the bikes. Let's we, do yeah, it. We, we demolished that after after <laughs> break forty out miles over was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also biked uh, Doctor J. And my, did, yeah, did you see a lot of boats along there? No, there's were? nothing on it. Okay, I think it's all overgrown. Okay, so, I mean it has been used in hundred years. Just. Just a uh, swamp, or no? It's it's there's the the bike path is the old mule path. Oh, okay. So they they have the uh, it's it was the canal. Oh yeah. And on the sides, what what's around the? There's not. I mean, you're you're going through, you know, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, no, I'm talking about like the sides of the trail. It's is it just one overgrown? side is the, one side is the is the uh, canal, and the other side is, you know, it's woods. It's something. I mean, it's it could be. Well, in one, some place, it's part of town. You're going right by, you know, you're in town. With right. People. But other places, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's you yeah. and the bugs. <laughs> but, I mean, you see, the weird part is you see all the locks. You see there are a couple places they actually have aqueducts. Where it right. Goes, where it goes over a river, and there's like a bridge with water in it. That's, if anybody doesn't know that, that's what an aqueduct is. Um, and it's pretty fascinating. It was all built in, what, 18... No, it was... 1950? 19-something. Where they finished it, yeah. The it INM was, Canal was 18... When did, it, when did the Board of Trade start? 1860? That's when they finished it. I know hmm. Canal was here trail, I thought it was long was before the Sanitarian Ship Canal. As the, well, yeah, but as the uh, trade shifted from St. Louis to here. That's I what caused it. it. Yeah. When I was 18... Hey, Matt? I think they probably... It sounds like a Matt, a Matt thing to do. Matt, find out when mm-hmm. the I&M Canal Trail train, Canal think, was finished. I'm going to say 1867, something like that. Oh, yeah. Board of Trade, I forgot. Uh, what, 175 years yeah. last Monday? Yeah. Yeah. And it opened right when the canal was finished. Yeah. No, there was a connection there. Duh. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, you I mean, you went, you, uh, the weird part was when Father Marquette saw, if I'm going to finish the story, I might as well start the story. For those that don't, those that don't know about Chicago, Chicago is really the, history of Chicago is the history of water management. I don't know if you knew that. Illinois and Michigan Canal. Right. Yeah. But the uh, but the the 
Lake Michigan has Lake Michigan drainage. The Chicago River drained. It just starts out right near the lake and drains into the lake. The Des Plaines River starts up north, and it's over essentially a divide. The divide, you you wouldn't even know where the divide was by looking at it. It's like in Summit down that area. <clears throat> and, and you can almost, well, you can step over it. I mean, there is no... I think Matt said we're both right. Completed, no. opened in four, ni- 1848, completed in 1933. No, no, no. The, the, the other one was completed in 1907 or something, the Sanitarian Ship Canal. Ah. Uh. Anyway, the, uh, so when you had a flood, you would actually have, there, there was a, if you go by where Harlem Avenue, where the Stevenson is, there was a big, like, swamp field there, and it was like a, <clears throat> between the Chicago watershed and the Des Plaines River watershed. In rainy season, you could essentially shove a, a, a ship, a ship, a, a boat across there and get on the Des Plaines River and make your way down, you know, down to Illinois River all the way to New Orleans if you wanted to. Well, the captain would go to the bar, and his buddy and, and the rest of the guys would shove the thing through the swamp by walking through that's, oh. why, that's why you always want to be a captain. The captain's that, got the... He went to the bar. Yeah. The other guys were in the mosquitoes and the swampy water shoving the thing through. Well, Father Marquette said there could be a canal here real easy, but not not really because it's such a flat plain. You had to get all the way down to, like, Marseille to get the Illinois River deep enough to do anything. Whoa. So it ended up being, like, 90 miles long or something. That's... Or 80 miles long. Cut through swamps and more than more I- you on- Oh yeah, more Irish people died. You know, built oh, uh, cutting that thing. It was all dug by hand. Imagine dealing, cutting, digging a canal by hand through a swamp. That sounds like. Uh, they still they still pull up old, old bottles of booze and everything else there. I mean, it's really it's really something. But it's it started Chicago, and it's the reason why Chicago has a grid system for streets. Is, is Wait a second. That wasn't because of the fire? No. They no. had to do it. They, they essentially gave the people who were building the canal every other square mile of the city to sell for money to build a canal. Interesting. I'm learning. Yeah. I thought the grid system was... Well, it was, had a little bit to do with it, probably. It was but the no, it was, 1871 it was grid, fire. It was a grid system before that. But of course, who do you sell it to? The only people living here were indigenous people. Well, you know that's 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 what they did in those days to people who were doing any public works. They gave them land. Interesting. They gave the five western railroads twenty percent of all the property in the U.S. To yeah. Make the, but I mean, there's nothing there. But of course, that's why they have all the Burlington uh, Burlington resources was all the mineral light rights on the land they gave the Burlington Northern and the Chicago Burlington and uh, the Great Northern all those places to. Uh, the mineral rights of all the property they gave them to build a railroad. So depending on where you were, you'd get, you know, 500 yards on each side, or in a, in a, out in the middle of nowhere, you got like 20 miles on each side. How about that? Yeah. So what do you think, uh, speaking of railroads, what do you think the uh, Union Pacific should be called once they stop operating it around here? Um, what, what, I, think what that's, I think that's up in the next year or two. Well, they, they still have a huge freight traffic. You already stopped operating it. The the metro line. Well, the the union the, the UP people North, who are the, yeah, but the people who have their uh, um, they're all those engineers are, are, are they work for UP. Right, I think the contract is changing. Yeah, actually, they don't have as much. I was only talking about the Burlington, the UP, uh, Northwest, and the West Line is still a huge freight line. 
Yeah. That was the original line going west out of Chicago. Right. Was the UP West. All the all the way to. Uh, it went to. Uh, it went to Council Bluffs, and that's the one that brought all the equipment, all the stuff out to uh, build the, the railroad west. They used to, when they started building the Transcontinental Railroad, they barged everything up to essentially Omaha, and built from there. And then, as soon as the railroad from the Northwestern was done out to uh, Council Bluffs, then they used that. And if if anybody asks you for you who wants to be a millionaire, <clears throat> what was the last piece put in with the Transcontinental Railroad? You might say Promontory Point, where the two locomotives came together. Right. But you would be wrong You would be wrong Yeah. Actually, it was the bridge over the Missouri River. Oh. Which is weird, isn't it? How, that's, someone was a lot slower, huh? Well, yeah. It was, it's, a, it's a huge bridge. <laughs> yeah. Well, bridges are, you know, it's they're, they're big deals. I mean, imagine how many bridges they have going, are going west. Well, it's it's 20... Yeah, it's a little <laughs> in 1860 building some huge, you know, wooden trestle bridge. Ugh. The total total's like what 30,000 miles or something. Yeah. Well, no, it's uh all around the uh, half the states and 20,000 or 30,000 miles. Well, it's we get all kinds of real real miles, but uh yeah. You know the the, early, the earliest one out of Chicago was? The first one? Burlington. No, it no. was the Chicago to Galena. There was a silver mine up there. For the workers? Well, no, it was just it was just the train went that way. It was the uh, first train out of Chicago. Mm. Now Matt probably knows this. What was the <laughs> first the first train uh, in the country? Oh man, we're talking just tr- a train in general, or uh, the train, name train, of the train to go to go somewhere? Oh, uh, well, not the city one where you put uh, rails down and had horse drawn you around. Is something related to Lincoln, maybe? Is it is it the name of an Arlo Guthrie song? No, train in New Orleans. No, well, actually, you know, Lincoln did a real lot of work for the for the. Uh, so, I would guess something related to Lincoln. No, no. Lincoln did uh, uh, the Illinois he Central. Did. He did a lot of work for that. Mm. He was a big railroad attorney. No, it was, it was the uh, Chesapeake and Ohio. Okay. It was it was a, a railroad to go from the Ohio River to uh, the port in uh, Baltimore. New York? You no, know, no, from Baltimore, that area. Uh, Chesapeake mm. Bay to uh, Ohio River. Wow. You know, they were all you know, specific places to go from place to place for freight. Mm. Oh, but uh, Lincoln was... Uh, we should do a tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, he did a lot of work for the Rock Island. The, for the first bridge across the uh, Mississippi was the Rock Island Bridge. Hmm. Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railroad. Uh, they never made it to Pacific, but they had it in the name. <laughs> you know, I probably took that. I took Amtrak way back when uh, from Chicago out to San Francisco. And uh, I believe we did... Is that we the Zephyr? It yeah. is the California Zephyr. Yeah. You're right. Wow. Uh, great train. I will say they did not have any. Uh, is it four days, wifi. five days. It is. Yeah, it's about five days. No Wi-Fi. No radio. No nothing. I don't think it's five days. Let me see. I, so I'm going to say three. It was about three or three. Yeah. But yeah. now they go through the Eisenhower Tunnel. They don't go through uh, the northern parts of Salt Lake City. That's right. We, we went um, started out south on our way out, and then uh, and then started around west towards Iowa. Yeah. yeah, that was that was that was a real trek. That was that was intense. Yeah, they're they're not on the uh, the original main line anymore mm. because there's no way you get a passenger train on there. The uh, they have so many trains going on the Union Pacific, going west and east. I think there's a train every 15 or 20 minutes, and they all go 55 miles an hour, exact same speeds. So nobody gains on anybody. Mm. Now, if, if so, there's no way you're putting a passenger train there going 85 miles an hour. Mm. That would that would wreak havoc with the entire schedule. Mm. So the, the passenger train goes. 
I don't know whose tracks those are. They go south and they go through Denver and through the Eisenhower Tunnel, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the it, I gotta say, it, it is pretty odd whenever you're on the tunnels, even if you're going to Ogilvy or Union Station, wherever you're going, how many different parts of uh, underground that are just not in use, you can tell that they're very just old. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, it's, it's odd to me that no one's even using that these days. They're, they're ever, just left. Well, you were just in uh, New York for your first time. That's right, yeah. If you take the subway there, there's all kinds of abandoned sightings and oh, stuff yeah. where people know how to get down there and they live in those old cars. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty crazy. I, I think it's pretty cool, but also kind of crazy to me. Well, when That's the awesome. uh, remember when we had the the, uh, the 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 down the underground flood here? I don't know if you guys remember. Well, you probably don't. Ninety three. Yeah, it was. Uh, or ninety. When the, when the idiot 92. busted through the into the old Chicago tunnel system of the yeah. river. Oops. Well, of course the city knew about it for like six weeks. They said this thing's leaking, and never got around to fixing. So finally, it just busted all the way through, and flooded the whole system, which is everybody's basement downtown because everybody was connected to the Chicago tunnel system, which what is not nightmare. the subway. It was a total nightmare. Board of Trade had all these huge semis out in front, uh, air conditioning the place for yeah. a while. And it was really something. But the uh, the mayor, Mayor Daly, was telling me, he was talking to the mayor of New York, said if that would have happened in New York, so many people live underground, they'd have lost like twenty five or 30,000 people. Wow. Because wow. there's all, it's, uh, the, the, the subway here is just a bunch of tubes, literally. Right? Right. And, uh, but in New York, it's a, it's a full underground railroad with sightings and cars that have They'll yeah, never seen, move again. It's pretty scary. I've seen Ghostbusters, you know. Yeah. Go down well, into the... Well, Superman was Lex Luthor was living down there, right? Oh. Well, <laughs> that would have been a good one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Get rid of that guy. So, uh, we're going to dig up this this labor report when Carl comes on. But what do you... Uh, it shows some people coming out of... I don't want to uh, pre, uh, pre-shoot here, Carl here, but it shows some people coming out of the... Uh, uh, we don't know what they're doing column. So, some people are re-entering the workforce, some. Um, no. The workforce is, depending on how you look at it, the, it seems like there's more of the younger people getting getting jobs, there, but the participation rate is still down. So uh, you've got the to, most 25 through 30, 34, 34 year olds working, but then at the same time the participation rate's down. So I'm not positive. Uh, what I'm that not means. so sure that this month we get another. There's a well. I'll, I'll give this brief start before Carl gets here, but there's. There's a there's a there's a bunch of columns here, and they're all but they're all pretty basic when you look at it. There's the there's a civilian non-institutional population, so that's everybody over the age of 16 that's not in jail basically, or in mental institution. Then there's which leaves you with now. Then then there's a civilian labor force. We'll, we'll tell you who's doing what. There's 184 million people. This is 1988. I'll just read the top line. 1988, we had 184 million people in the labor force. 121 million. Uh, well, the, there's a civilian population. There's a, people in the labor force, 121 million, of which 114 million were working, 7 million were unemployed, and 63 million, we don't know what they're doing. They could be retired, they could be students, they could be something. So the relationship there between the people that are working versus the people that we don't know what they're doing is the participation rate that you're right. talking about, right? Yeah. And the number the back then was like 63%. And now we're up to... We're up to... 60.4, which is the highest it's been really since that was the last time it was that high. Uh, 60.4, I'm going to say uh, the end of 2019, before COVID. Right, before 60.8. Right. But the difference between 62 or 63 and 60 has got to be 
what's what's three percent of well, hundred sixty-seven million people? Sixty-seven million, yeah. Well, that's so 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 say it's, it's like uh, five million people. It's like five, but those are if you think about it, and this is it's probably a little too harsh. Uh, you know, some are students, which you don't worry about, but some are people essentially getting a check from people that are working. So to have five million more people working versus getting the check is a dramatic difference in how your how your government funds itself, right? Now, did did they say anything about maybe um, revisions? Uh, because all, that, the revision last month was even higher, I think. Oh, well, hmm. those are we had uh, according to this. Now, this is the household survey, which is not the survey that you hear on TV. That's the establishment survey. So before Carl comes on, I just the establishment survey is somebody somewhere calls up a place like PTI, which we've never been called, and I don't know who people are, but I assume that every couple of months General Motors is going to get called, and they're going to say, okay, how many people do you have working? I think it's the third week of the month. I don't know how many hours. These are all Carl questions. How many hours do you have to work for them to say yes? Greg Pappas is employed at Ceres. Right. Um, he worked here, whatever, last week. So that, that's that's the duh, that's the question. And so that's the establishment survey, because you're calling the establishments. Now, if you call, uh, you know, Pepe's Tacos, and they say, uh, who's working there? And now you, you head right from Ceres to Pepe's Tacos. They got another person. You got, you, you're counted there as well. Right. So you can be counted twice in the establishment survey. Now, there's also the household survey, where somebody calls your house. Don't you think that would raise the participation rate? Uh, well, it just, just raises the amount of people working, because you could have two or three jobs, and you're counted two or three times. If... Those places get called now. Now, people's second job probably is, you know, delivering. I want to say everything, but delivering pizzas. Now, how often is a pizza joint going to get going to get called? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, when was the when was the last one? I mean, since the last report, the dollars. Yeah, the the dollars down maybe. Maybe well, they, they don't have much to do bit. with each other. The, one of the dollars well, more to do money supply, at least in the yeah, short term. And the and the gold numbers are relatively stable, and I don't think the market cares that much. Well, the, you, you, the Dow is fairly similar. If if you got another, if you got if another four or five million people um, left the, we don't know what they're doing, Colin, uh and started working, all of a sudden they're they're now paying taxes. I mean, they're not on the they're not. That's the weird thing. The people that are unemployed are only the people that are allegedly unemployed, not working and looking for work. But now I think they've lazed out and are short-circuiting that number, and it's only the people that are actually getting unemployment checks. So if you stop getting your check, you might still be looking, but now you're in this other column. You're not considered unemployed. That's why the unemployed number is such BS. Yeah, I'm not saying the market cares all that much. Well, it, like the numbers came the in right. The, well, the numbers are, came in right at right whatever we thought they were going to be. So, yeah. if you're one of those that they they met expectations, yeah, you know, it, by Richard like Daly, did, yeah. Who are these expectators? <laughs> the, the expectators were uh, not spooked in the slightest. So yeah, we've got what's the Dow like? You know, up twenty or something. No, the Dow's down, but we're down six in the S and P, down sixty five in the Nasdaq. But I mean, it, it actually was a, was probably a very good report. Remember the household survey, you call and if you know if your wife or girlfriend answers the phone and says, "Is there anybody working?" and, and yeah, Greg's working. Well, then that counts as one. You know, Greg might have five jobs, not five, but three. Tree. Tree. 
tree jobs. Somebody would say tree. Tree jobs. Uh, but I might, I, one of the guys that I, I get guests every Sunday morning, and uh, I, I talk to this guy. Now he's he used to be in the auto business, some something. It was a parts guy for some firm, and now he, you know, he works at, a, at one of these convenience places where you buy your gas and you want to get the coffee and all that stuff. Well, of course, the guy's, you know, he, he should, let's, let's put this way, he's underemployed there, correct? Is that the term? Where your he could be your doing skills a lot better. Are, yeah, his skills yeah. are not. So now, to make ends meet, because he's got a, a couple of kids, I guess, and divorced, um, he works uh, at a Wendy's. Right, goes right from there to the Wendy's. So the guy's working two, literally two jobs. And now, this week, he's telling me he's going to get a fat paycheck, because he did, put in 72 hours last week. Well, that's a lot. That's yeah. That's a full week. That's a full week, and uh, you know, plus I give evidently the Wendy's once in a while. If they're not busy, they say you know don't come in Thursday or don't come in Friday or something. Right. You know, which is so you can't always like when I was a Ute. If somebody said you made five bucks an hour, you'd immediately say the guy makes two hundred dollars a week. Now you can't say that everywhere because they just say because ah, the hours are different. Well, they'll yeah. say it's it's slow go home. Nobody used to do that. Mm. That I'm well, I know of. Hell, even if you work for Hilo Foods, you got your eight hours in, <laughs> or or it was a four-hour shift, you got your four. If it was after school or something, but nobody nobody ever sent you home after three <laughs> after you drove over there. They did; they paid you at least. Yeah. SP Futures now down eight, and as the futures down seventy-two, come back. We should have Mr. John Flanagan. We have Mr. Mr. Carl Denninger calling in in a half hour. Uh, should be a fun morning. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. 
You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stacks and Jacks. Time Greg Pappas in the studio. We have Matt Byrne on the board. We should have Mr. Flanagan and Mr. Carl Denninger coming in on... Uh, what are we coming to Zoom these days? We're zooming in on Zoom. How's that? That's right. Futures now on nine and a quarter. We're leaking here. Not exactly sure why. Uh, NASDAQ Futures down 75. Uh, Dow futures are like unchanged. In the Dow, I've got Apple down a buck ninety. It's kind of the only one. Well, I've got McDonald's up a buck fifty. Everything else is pretty pretty uh, sanguine. How's that for this early in the morning, Matt? Sanguine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good vocab uh, word. As, as yeah. a way of review, since it was all the way back on Thursday, it was a snorer on Thursday. Dow was up two, S and P up fourteen, Nasdaq up ninety one. But they had been down the rest of the week, so it was kind of a bounce back. Uh, we're ahead of uh, the inflation data coming out this week, so we'll be talking about that. I think inflation starting to go back up again. Gas sure and a bunch of other things. Over in Europe this morning, we've got DAX up 77, FTSE up 78. That's a full 1%. CAC around up 8, call that flat. Or in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 115.4%. Hang Seng up 56.3. Shanghai down 12. So kind of a mixed bag mostly to the upside there. Oil uh, up 3 cents, but hanging right around this $80 number, 80 73 Rent down a penny, 85.11. So it's pretty quiet this morning. Natural gas up 3 cents. Uh, to 204, struggling to stay over two bucks. Arbob down a penny, 280 though. And so that's why I got to pay. I got 398 or something, which has got to be 35 cents more than the last week at the place I went yesterday. So that kind of sucked. Uh, gold down 1070, but silver 2000, 2015. Silver up four cents, 2513. Copper down a penny, uh, 399, under four bucks. We've got Bitcoin up 151, 28,314. U.S. dollar. Uh, pretty much unchanged. You got the euro at 109, and we've got the British pound at 124. So they're kind of where they were. It was still higher than a, uh, a couple of months ago by quite a bit. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Uh, it is April 10th, uh, around 6:37 a.m. Uh, this morning, Chicago expects sunny skies later on. Right now, it's 49 degrees downtown. Later on, a high of 70. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies, 65 degrees currently, a high of 96 later on. Sunny skies for the current forecast. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lost to Rangers, final score 2-8. to eight. White Sox lost as well, 0-1 to one against Pirates. Tonight, White Sox against Twins at 1.10 p.m., Cubs against Mariners at 6.40, and Diamondbacks against Brewers at 8.40 p.m. Last night in the NBA, Bulls beat Pistons 85-103, and the Suns lost to the Clippers 114-119. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. John Rahm won the Masters. Yeah, Brooks Kepka <laughs> melted down. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, he was down. He was 
he was plus two. Not exactly melting down on Augusta. What was it? Seventy five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was ahead by four, I think. Yeah. Um, yes, they'd all dried out, and all of a sudden the balls rolling all over the place. And I didn't really watch that much of it. But we have Mr. Jan. Jan, how are you? Indeed. Good. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Did you have a good Easter? I had a wonderful one. I went to my brother and sister-in-law's, and their two girls are in from college until today, so we got to see them. It was a very good time. How about you? We did. Uh, I was a, a big, big cooker on Saturday night over at Audrey's for her pals. Um, actually, one of, the, one of the dudes, actually, he's retired. He volunteers time at Midway Airport as somebody who uh, is like a greeter and tells people how to move around once they get to Chicago if they don't know. Wow. Pretty interesting. Nice, nice of him to do that. Uh, it's like a traveler's aid desk or something. Yeah. I didn't know they had such a thing, but evidently they do. And he goes in there a couple of days a week. It was nice of him. Uh, yesterday, went to my brother's, and guess who was there? The lovely Angelica and her mother from Ukraine. <laughs> oh, great. And, and she, she is always a trip. So she might be going to come back and do a couple of shows, right? But she kind of lives a little far up north. So I go, I, have, you, have you been working on your sports? No, I forgot all about that. <laughs> I said, you know, you weren't, weren't very good on the sports. And she goes, no, because I didn't care one way or the other. <laughs> She's pretty direct. I said, I said you, you weren't so hot on the, on the traffic either. And she goes, well, I don't drive. <laughs> she goes, I was okay on weather. At least I, I, I cared about the weather. <laughs> like, okay, then. You know, but her mom is very nice. Uh, it was, she doesn't speak much English. She's learning. So you got the drift that she was kind of li- here understood what other people were saying, but not enough for her to really say anything. But uh, very pleasant. And I drove them home. And my brother lives in Evergreen Park. I drive them all the way back their way. They're, they're north of the Dark House, so they're like in Foster and Western. And uh, it was kind of a trip last night, uh, but uh, it was okay. They were they're surely worth it. And she's she's a riot. But yeah, the uh, she'll say some of the darndest things. Like she's gonna tell me all about what's going on in Ukraine, which is not much good, although they think they're winning. Um, so some some guy takes her out, takes her shooting, right? So she she liked the shooting part, but she didn't like the the uh, the gun range because he said all kinds of wacky people there. I said, well, yeah, you're going to run into that. Uh, so I go, how did you do when you were shooting? Oh, it was fine. All I did was make sure what I was. Every time I I shot the thing at the target, I thought the target was a Russian. <laughs> That's more than I needed to know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She uh she might be back um to do a couple shows and uh she's a riot and uh, her mom is very pleasant and uh, she, she, says, she says we're up to like a hundred thousand uh, uh people here from uh, Ukraine. Wow. She thinks. Uh, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, I don't mean I don't know if she's accurate with that, but she goes, you get a special uh, visa, and uh and you know and it's fairly easy uh, to get in. Now you don't become a citizen or anything, but. If somebody will take care of you, it's real, relatively easy to get in, and uh, which I think is probably a good thing. And um, she goes, an awful lot of people still want to go back. Um, <clears throat> she has one person who, uh, one of her cousins is actually fighting, and uh, an uncle got whacked with some shrapnel from a, uh, a sh- artillery shell. But they're just hoping that when you know, when eventually they hope they can go back, and that their whatever they were living is still standing, because most people, you know, still think it's home. Um, Mm. Even though they like live in the city and are getting more acclimated here, there's a lot are in Poland, uh, which we sort of know. Russia, Poland, Germany. I don't think too many are in Russia. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
That would not be to run in the wrong some, way. Yeah. No, some. I mean, it's running the wrong way. I think they got confused in the east and west, and they just oh, went the wrong way. Some, some of them think they're Russian. So we're gonna have Carl on in a bit where he decides to <coughs> pile in. But Jen, we had a lot of people, three hundred thousand people, piled off the. Uh, we don't know what they're doing. Column and, and re-entered the labor force. What do you, what do you make of that? Why do you, why do you suppose that's all happening? We're back up to sixty point four, which if you go back ten years isn't a lot. The number used to be more like sixty three, sixty four, but it's. It's the highest we've had since 2019. Um, is it a little bit more normalization, or what do you think that is? I, I'm going to defer to Carl on that, because I've gotten so distrustful of the numbers, Tom. And, and I, I, I hate to say that I see a pattern of deception in them. Uh, why not? I say it all the time. I say it all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, I, well, I'll go that far then. You know, cause the, cause there certainly is a pattern <laughs> to the kind of scrambled quality of them um, and I don't I don't put a lot of confidence in them and I, I'm afraid that you know when, you know, you have to kind of use whatever numbers you're given in order to track you know changes you know policy whatever but I think we're dealing with, with a system that is so skewed now um, that we're going to live to regret relying on any of the numbers we're given I just don't trust them Well I have heard from a few people that some of them, and maybe this is just in Chicago, that some of the people who were laid off, now, you know, we're not Silicon Valley, where everybody's got essentially the same job. Well, that's probably unfair, but uh, but a lot of the people in Chicago that were laid off in one of those, you know, tranches by Google or somebody, I think a lot of those people got rehired by somebody else pretty quick. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't see how you do that in Silicon Valley when, you know, 20 companies do it in the same week, but... I think in some areas, I think here a lot of those people got scooped. I mean, you know, that, well, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, now they don't have the numbers, the you know, labor department behind them to find numbers, but evidently uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't last that long for some of the people here, which is nice. Um, but that's just what I'm hearing anecdotally. Have you heard anything like that? No, and I'm wondering, have you heard anything about the upshot from the McDonald's, you know, no uh, scenario? Actually, you know, it, was, it was newsworthy that they were going to well, have everybody stay at home, but this I've is because they boom. were announced in layoffs. I actually am having a, a couple of adult beverages to, uh, tonight with a person who high up the chain there, so maybe I'll get some scoop. Not that that's the reason why I'm going out with them, but uh, I'll probably hear something. i got to believe if you work for the place, you must know by now. Well, and I would think there would be some kind of follow-up because uh, that was big news. Because they were going to shut down their head for what, three days? Yeah, you know, Matt, do us, do us a favor. Why don't you Google that and find out if, uh, I mean, it was, they all, they all went back to work on Thursday. Some people obviously weren't invited back. I don't know why that's a, Crane, Crane's Chicago should have that do in you, there. Do you see anything on there, the pre-open for McDonald's, by the way? Uh, other, no, other than the fact they're up a buck and a half. Right. Mm-hmm. What's, so, what's your price over there? What do you say? I got 284.41. 284.41. Yeah. Of course, when you lay people off, it's always positive, right? Even though... Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, if you're, uh, how can I say this? If you if you do it right, you've essentially got rid of some people, and you've essentially lowered the salary of everybody else because they got to cover for the people that's got laid off, right? Yeah. Of course, no. I just think that the, the, the fact that there's no follow up and the media isn't you know awash with you know chatter about this makes me think that it was either a big nothing burger or it's far worse than they want us to know. <laughs> well, I mean, if 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 25,000 people didn't get invited back on Thursday, i got to believe somebody would have written about it. I would think so, yeah. 
or maybe they're just still just still out. I mean, that's I'm saying maybe Matt will find out the scoop. But uh, you know, I don't know that whole. Whenever you get people that move from one place to the other, you somehow sometimes you lose your your identity a little bit, John. Uh, um, I I think. I mean, when when Sears was basically the blue collar company. I mean, if you were a working person, you, you basically shopped at Sears, right? And you got for your car, you did everything. You're all in the working class neighborhoods. The catalog was anything you wanted for workwear, otherwear, you named it. It may, you know, Matt, you're. Well, Do you you're, remember you're during the pandemic when you can buy McDonald's for 150 bucks or whatever it yeah. was? Yeah. I think I think they, as soon as the uh, people started closing restaurants and stuff, McDonald's went from 200 to 150 or whatever real quick, and now we're now we're. What two eighty? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, they they had their made like, they had, they made it like a bandit in the pandemic, and they made it like a bandit with inflation. Because the drive-throughs and inflation. Well, the inflation's but, off the chart. I just remember when they actually had problems and the restaurants were closing, and you know. Well, if you get a breakfast sandwich, the second one's a buck, right? So get two breakfast sandwiches and a cup of, and a large coffee, and it's like eight dollars. Yeah. Even with one being a buck, is it? Remember when the coffee was uh, a dollar? Well, now it's now three it's bucks, two or three, two eight, yeah. two ninety or something. So it's three bucks. And the first sandwich is five. That's a, then it's a buck. So now your six plus three is nine plus tax, like ten bucks. For, yeah, for, for two I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a great example of leadership in that guy's case. But you know, the stock loves it. Oh so. yeah. Well, raising prices, laying people off, stock loves it. <laughs> Duh. I mean, <laughs> right? And, and, and they they you know they have. They have location. I can only imagine what those guys got from uh, the government. You know, they're the PPP stuff. Right? You know, it's crazy stuff. But those guys, it's... Uh, so, John, what do you make of... Uh, we haven't talked too much about the politics of the city. And after the initial uh, brush of everybody wondering how the hell this guy got in, uh, there's an awful lot of people obviously voted for him. Um, it's interesting that Val started out so far ahead... It's almost like once people knew I the note. I can tell you there were like seven or eight wards that, that the aldermen endorsed Vallis, and then the populace said 80-20 the other way. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's how it happened. I don't really think... Yeah, there's no, no coattails with the aldermen, that's for sure. Yeah, now <laughs> they got big targets on their back from the Democratic Socialists. What the, what, what do you think that the... You think, are people getting paid for these endorsements? I mean, I, I gotta, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's There's our, a handshake promise getting paid well in my district uh you know and everybody says she, i never met her but everybody says she's nice michelle smith she's gone well she she won four years ago so abruptly and, and when i say abruptly i don't know if she had to go take care of a parent or what she she like quits with two weeks notice with maybe a year to go so she's gone or maybe nine months to go the whistleblower well i mean no, she and, and, and she's genius lady but, i mean she's out of she's Good out riddance. of yeah she's out of the uh neighborhood she's in the burbs Okay, well that's fine. I mean, who knows if you've got. I mean, I, I don't want to know, but uh, let's, let's say she had a personal reason, so she doesn't. Now she's gone. Well, she she likes uh, Wendy. Wendy was it Wendy Nations something something, uh, who was running, and she endorsed her. I really thought she should have gotten the job, but she didn't. This guy Tim Timothy Newson or something. Newson, yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets appointed by Lori. And he's in there now. The, the thing, what I don't like about him, he, he squeaked it out, didn't he? Yeah, but he, yeah. But he, but he got everybody's phone number and everybody's email address by being the incumbent. Well, hell, he didn't win the job. 
So it's a huge advantage to him on these other people running. So Michelle just just lobs out a you know a recommendation on Wendy, which is fine. I don't have any problem with that. I mean, if somebody put a you know microphone up to Jan Flanagan and said, you know, who do you like for president? And he you know he says George Washington. I mean, it's fine with him. But but now the, the now the thing starts the runoff, and out of the blue, she's not only said a lot of the two that are left. I'll take Timmy Newsom. She's now actively pushing. Where I'm getting you know emails from her, phone text messages, about five pieces of stuff saying how how much she's pushing this guy. Why does she care? She's gone. I mean, I could see she has an opinion. Obviously, she must she knows these people. I have a problem with that. But what possessed her to be on like every piece of mail? You know, be attacking my cell phone when she's gone. Just be gone. I mean, it, it, it seemed way over the top for just a. a, a well, if I was voting, here's what I'd vote for, which I don't have a problem with. But it almost Janet, like, you got too much. I mean, to the point where are they paying her? What, what are they doing? Well, yeah, you have to think that they see in her, and there's other people like this, they're mouthpieces for whatever interest group they might you know, have behind them or they're behind. And I think they, they have delusions of grandeur, some of these people. They really think they have a power base, and they don't. And they, they it, it more may more likely be a case where people got paid not to give an endorsement in this race, like Lightfoot. Could you imagine? I mean, neither candidate would have wanted Lightfoot stamp approval on him. That would have been so toxic. I think they might have done some deal with her to keep her mouth shut. Maybe. And she might have been working for Johnson behind. I got the list you know. for you guys. The there were uh, nine wards that endorsed, or the aldermen endorsed um, Vallis, but the populace voted completely the other way. So King in the fourth ward, uh, Sawyer Roderick Sawyer in the sixth ward, Anthony Beal eighth ward, David Moore seventeen, Derek Curtis eighteen, Robert Maldonado twenty six, Walter Burnett twenty seven. That one was closer. That was only sixty forty. Uh, Johnson, Emma Mitz in thirty seven, and then uh, Tunney in forty four. And all those aldermen uh, endorsed Vallis, but their wards turned out for Johnson. Yeah, they were opposed to Lightfoot, but some of them quite vocal. Yeah. So I, I want you know, it's there's some some interesting uh, machinations going on there. I think. Well, whoever comes in is the uh, if those of you in a, I don't, I'm going to say Greg probably don't even know who this is. Uh, you ever read, you ever read the book Boss by Mike Royko? Yeah. Richard J. Daly. Great book. <laughs> it's a fantastic book. But it, but basically, Daly, Daly's power was not so much being mayor, it was he was the head of the Cook County Democratic Organization. So he, and basically what was a uh, patronage system back then. So that's that's where the power lie. Chicago actually has a, it's a weak mayor system, right Jan? But yeah. But the, so the, the city council now, whatever you want to say, the people in now, they've got 16 new people, right? The council's never looked like this in our lifetime. I mean, no matter what the mayor wants to do right now, the, the, whoever whoever won is nowhere near as powerful as the mayor was 30 years ago. I don't think. Do you, Jen? I mean, uh, no. And you know, when we get a fully elected school board, that'll be 2027. Uh, you're going to see the mayor further weak. So, uh, and that that's going to be a Johnny book. There'll be tons of money being thrown into those um, school officials' elections. It'll be just you know another layer of the kind of squawk box effect in the city council where there's going to be deep factions, you know, and deep division between them. Um, and, you, you know, you're going to see, it, I think, tipping ever farther left until something changes. 
I just uh, like say, Jen, did you happen to see? I mean, this is not God. How can I? I gotta tell the story without it turning out being racial because I don't really. I because I mean I think it's happening of people of any color in different parts of the country. This this total appear, appearing to be have no concept of what the American system is. Now, if you want to change it, I guess, or move someplace, I guess you should do that. But somebody, there, were, there was a, in Inglewood, it's a total, there's, there's nothing down there. When 63rd and Halsted was, when I was young, was the second most vibrant place in the city other than the Chicago Loop, right, John? Yeah. And uh, it had everything down there. Sears, Weebolts, I mean, you name it. It was a, five movie theaters. Uh, we still shop there until I was into high school. Girl. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now it's just, everything's just down, right? I mean, there's nothing there. They put up a there's a there's a junior college what on sixty. Kennedy King has got spanking new campus there. Yeah, but still, there's nothing around it, and, yeah, the, and no. houses or anything. I mean, just dead. So somebody they put up was it a Mariano's? Uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods puts up something there because it's considered what the food desert. So they put this place up, and after what's it been three four years, they decide like right, we can't make it here. We're out. So of course the mayor's outraged. Everybody's outraged. So now they're putting some other place in that building, another food store. Save a lot. Yeah. Save a lot. So they're, they're kind of ready to open, and all of a sudden there's this huge demonstration. And this is like, was it last Thursday, John? It's on TV or maybe a week ago. And, and they got these community organizers talking about how the people didn't, the, the guys who opened up the store didn't get their approval. And they've got these, you know, 25-year-old people out there um, giving them a mic on TV well, this place, it's not our kind of store. We don't want it. They're not carrying the stuff we want. They're not. Since when does anybody get... I, I, I have the freedom. I, I could put up a buggy whip, whip store somewhere if I'm dumb enough to do it. Why is that anybody's business but mine? If you don't want to come in and buy a buggy whip, don't. That's right. And if you don't like that store, you go open another one. Yeah. You go and, get the finance. And you, you hire the people. You hire the security and everything else. It, it, this is not, not the way that you advance anybody's agenda by blocking something because it's not the food isn't quite to your taste or you don't think it's good enough or you deserve better but there's a lot of people in chicago living in what i call food deserts yep okay and maybe it's, it's, i'm you new take here. what you get pretty much and if you don't like it you move or you, you know you, you know patronize other stores where you can get to them but you don't go out and, and stop somebody else from opening the store but it was almost like a uh uh yes it was almost like you didn't pay homage to the to these Preachers slash community organizers slash right. extortionists or whatever the hell they've turned into. Why? Why, why would I those even? Deals usually worked out though before. Aren't the developers working with the aldermen? Like, to, what? What did I miss about this one? Well, but, but I, it, they wanted. They, I think they wanted to get somebody in there. Right? You know, and Save a lot has you know stores elsewhere in Chicago. Um, maybe their reputation isn't. It's not like your know, high line food, but Whole, Whole Foods wasn't the answer for Anglewood either. I don't think. Yeah. That, that was a completely alien kind of you know concept. It was alien to me. I don't shop. But even if the food. guy is the world's biggest sleaze bag, and he's going to charge three times as much as he should, okay, he get he gets to buy the place. He gets to stock it. He gets to open up the door. If you walk in and say, "Gee, broccoli's four bucks a pound. It should be a buck," that's when you turn your fanny around and walk out the front door. You, yeah. you don't, you don't yeah. get to tell the guy he can't open it. You don't get to tell right. the guy you know what, yeah. he, what he has to stack. Since when do you get to do that? I, I, and, and all these young people are like, he he didn't he didn't check with the the preacher or the community. Order. So what? So the, you know, these people kind of t- taking their marching orders. They see themselves now as quasi. They're, they're not just like protesters or community organizers. They are quasi 
governmental agents who are yeah. trying to legislate for everybody else. And I'm sorry, that, that isn't what I call grassroots organizing efforts. That's just tyranny. It, well, it's something. So what is it? You have to pay to pay the people off? Yeah. And you'll... Can you imagine, you know, once you you think you've won one of these battles where you can, you know, hold out or you know, get somebody better in there, make somebody else sweat enough to pay you. I mean, the money we've wasted on some of these interest groups, it is talking like an extortion racket or protection racket. Well, uh, I, depending on who wins an aldermanic race, uh, I might have one of the people still in it on the show to talk about this because she says these organizers are always looking for money. That was her job at the city for a while. Right. And she says they're just, all they're doing is looking for money. And as long as you turn them around, turn money their way, then everybody's happy. You know what? I'm out of that. I, I would prosecute every one of these guys that got PPP money and doesn't have any employees. That's from all in jail. It was me. But, I, how, but how, how politically incorrect is that? I mean, uh, hey, you know what? It, Crook's a crook. Well, you know, if, with the mayor we've got now... You know, he keeps trying to back off the defund the police agenda that he you know, was pretty emphatic about just two years ago. But you know, he he will push the, you know defunding the police and refunding it into social workers, blah blah blah, everything else. They'll all be union members, Tom. They'll all be CTU affiliated. Um, this is kind of what Brandon Johnson has built a career around: is getting people to sign up to be part of some interest group that, that can t- twist the knife in the city. And if they, you know, it'll be one thing to have him bargaining with the Chicago Teachers Union, bad enough. But it's another thing that there'll be highly inflated union enrollment. I think based well, on I, what he wants to do with I, the police. I think, I think, John, there is. And we only get thirty seconds. But hopefully, we'll have Carl at the top of the hour. But uh, there is some sort of a because um, I knew Tom Dart from the uh, club a little bit. I knew uh, was before him. Sheehan. Uh, I knew Sheehan pretty well, and uh, when they closed Tinley. Um, and I know these people are after the new mayor to open up these mental health facilities. When they closed Tinley, I mean, Sheen used to tell me that, you know, a significant percentage, not like 80 or anything, of the people in county jail should have been in really in a, in a mental institution, that they, 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 they were not really crooks, they just couldn't take care of themselves and ended up in jail. So there's, there's a lot of that going on. I mean, so, you know, it ended up being the substitute place for the mental health places that Tinley closed and then Ram closed the rest of them. So there is some sort of a connection between some of the, the constant calls you get to the same address are not because the people there are criminals or because there's something else wrong with them. And the police are probably not the right people to show up for that particular call. I mean, there, there's some sense to this, what they're talking about, John, but it's not, it's not, it's not the same as we're going to get rid of half, I hope it's not, we're going to get rid of half the police because if it's a gangbanger thing, we're going to send some kind of psychologist out there to... to to talk him out of being a gangbanger, because that's not going to work. I mean, you, I think you and I are on the same page here, but some of the stuff, there's, it, it, it kind of is a flow-through from closing these places, and a lot of them are in jail, and a lot of these calls become 911 calls, and they really shouldn't be. It may, I mean, there's some truth to that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think there is, but, it's, you know, I, I think the culture is that there's a lot more that can be done by social workers than by police, and... I, I think that you know when you've got a gang culture that is so attuned to how weak the police is, like you're you're living in a fantasy land. Oh yeah, if I mean, you think that this is it's, not, it's not one or the other. It's it's some combination of the. But if oh. it's the same call from the same person, same place, the twentieth time. Anyway, SP Futures down eight, and SP down sixty-seven. Come back, hopefully, have Mr. Carl Denninger. We'll still have everybody else, but we we'll talk about labor numbers and uh, and what's going on. We'll be right back.
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Hello, and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen. We have... Uh, Matt Byrne on the board. We have Greg Pappas in the studio. We have Jen Flanagan online. We also have Mr. Carl. We do. We do. I got a, I got a question. Why, why do I have a question? Is this a question for, for Carl? I'm going to lob this one out there. This is a a human anatomy question. Not, not, don't go gutter on me here, guys. <laughs> Uh-oh. They were talking about uh, the invention during the Civil War. I don't, I'm listening to this thing. They're talking about guns, right? And they're talking during the Civil War where instead of having to put the, the powder in, if you're watching like the Daniel Boone days, you got your powder horn, you put the powder in there, then you tamp the powder down, then you shove the ball in there, and you shove the ball down, and you're ready to go, right? Right. Well, and then somebody invented the the capsule, was like the, the, the uh, what's the name for the darn thing, where the ball and the powder are in the capsule together, right? Mm-hmm. So all you do is, is tear off the capsule and, and put the uh, that in the barrel, and you tamp that down. So it became a one-step operation. But I heard a term that I absolutely... First, I couldn't believe what the hell. I had no idea what they were talking about. When it got to me, it was almost a co- combination of a chuckle and, like, God, I wouldn't want to be alive back then. But you know what the problem with that? <clears throat> Carl may know this, being he's from Tennessee. <clears throat> what did you have to have in order to, to use that, that new thing? The new, uh, what do they used to call those things, Carl? The, uh, the, the, the fabric thing with the, with the ball and powder in there together. Uh, well, well, you had to be able to tamp it in, but... No, you had to have 
opposable. You had to have at least two opposable teeth. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Is that for like a Gatling gun? No. Well, you, you had to be able to tear it off. You had to be able to bite it. Well, you couldn't. You couldn't. Right. It was too too strong for you to snap it off with your fingernails. So you had to bite the thing off. Opposable teeth. We have one, one at least one top and one one bottom to match. Right, one top and one bottom, which was a problem for a lot of people. You have a few up top and a few on the bottom, but if you couldn't get them together, you couldn't bite the thing off. How scary is that? Well, you know, I don't think uh, there were too many World War, uh, Civil War dentists around, were there? All they did was yank cheese teeth. Well, that was that was about all you could do. It was you know before before modern. Uh, antibiotics, an infection that got into the root of a tooth was frequently led to an abscess and it would kill you. So they just yank it right away. All, you need was a, all the well, that, was well a there wasn't a choice. Yeah, there wasn't a choice. I mean, we didn't have, you know, modern you know root canals and crowns and stuff like that, but the, the antibiotics really changed everything because if, if you got an infection in a place that, you know, was not well circulated um, or if you got it into the, in the gut somewhere, you were done. Oh, yeah, you were toast. You were done. And so, I mean, you know, being gut shot was probably the worst possible thing that could happen to you because you you were going to die, but it was going to be very slow and very nasty. Yeah. But I'm sitting there, I, go, I heard this guy go, opposable teeth. I go, what is he talking about? And then all of a sudden, they, yeah. show, they show a picture of a guy with two teeth because they were, the top and the bottom were in the same spot. He was okay. I'm thinking, God, it's, it's much better to be alive today. Chief, you take <laughs> your opposable teeth for granted. Yeah. You, <laughs> that's right. You, you do, actually. I mean,. <laughs> God. So, Carl, uh, get us up to speed on these numbers. I guess everybody, well, they did like them earlier. Nothing happened. Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're leaking here. I'm not sure what just came out today, but all of a sudden, we don't like them so much. But what uh, was kind of a numbers that were, A, they were sort of expected, but B, some people came out of that. I, I read your uh, newsletter, and some people came out of the back column for the first time in a while, and I think you thought that was pretty positive. Well, not not a few people. Uh, well, a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the net the net ads um, for the over the month was over a million, and of that, four hundred forty five thousand were couch surfers who decided to stop couch surfing, and that's uh, you know that's <laughs> that's a very large number. Okay, the 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 employment population ratio um, is is basically back to where we were. Uh, in January 2020, before just before the pandemic hit, so uh, that's uh, I, I think the pro- you know the problem that you have with from the from a market point of view is that anybody that thinks that this means that uh, the Fed's job is done, um, they're gonna they're gonna go back and cut rates. Uh, oh, by the way, this means the inflationary impulses that uh, seem to have been backing off is actually back. Out. You got rocks in your head, folks. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're seriously crazy. That is just not, you know, that's just not reality. Okay, so uh, I was I was surprised that we had the kind of, you know, movement that we did on Friday morning in the futures. But on the other hand, there were six people trading and uh, 500 robots. Well, well, now, but now we're down to well, now we're down to like nothing, right? I mean, it, the number I'm quoting now is from Thursday night, correct? Yeah, but I mean, you know, your your neg your neg twelve, um, you know, on the on the S and P's on the spoos right now, which is yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but the uh, I think the kind of the interesting thing is that when that number came out, uh, there was a very large 
movement in the ZN futures, which is the 10-year Treasury futures market. And that was to, to the negative side, which means rates up. And that has a, and the cash side of that hasn't started trading yet. Well, the TLT's uh, showing uh, down 84, which means bonds are down, which means rates are up, correct? I mean, I've got to tell Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, like, the, the TNX, I, I have no quote on it yet. No, yeah, I mean, I, we'll get one, but, yeah. you know, but I have one yet. But the, but the ZN futures is the 10-year Treasury futures, and, and they dumped pretty good right at the number release, which, is, as far as I can tell, is an accurate uh, reflection of, you know, of what the numbers said. Okay, what is the... The uh, we have uh, actually uh, Dan uh, Janitas. I mean, his uh, comes out on Thursday. I mean, he anecdotally gives give us this stuff from a different perspective than uh, than you, Carl, because a lot of the, the firms that he happens to look at are some of the mid-sized manufacturing firms. I mean, I, I'm sure you've listened to Dan on Thursday, but he yeah, a couple of them. Well, one of the places is, is an outfit that's involved in a lot of the infrastructure in Florida because they do asphalt and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I mean, indirectly, there's kind of the same thing you're you're talking about. And he said that the uh, finally some of the checks from the not the last bill, but like the the first bill when Biden first got in office. What, what bill was that? The John, I'm sure you, you might remember. Back better. The uh, it was the first infrastructure bill, not the yeah. whatever the name. Yeah, that, was, that, that was Build Back Better, I think. Okay, but he says those. those these companies that he thought were going to get like the money right away, they're they're just starting on some of the projects. And I noted here in Chicago area, I saw there's usually been four people working all winter on the uh, uh, Manheim Manheim Road over the uh, Des Plaines River. Last week they actually had like 20 people working, and we started this thing in the Kennedy. And it, all of a sudden you see, you see people popping in from somewhere, like you say, probably off the couch. I mean, his construction stuff is all starting now, kind of at the same time. You know, what Dan says, that a lot of the federal money is actually being spent now. Do you think that's part of it, Carl? That, that, yeah, uh, yeah, I do. And I, I think there's, well, I mean, the construction numbers were, were kind of interesting, too. But when I, uh, you know, when I looked at the internals in this thing, um, boy, I'll tell you what, the the only place that I saw any kind of of uh, sort of flat to negative was in those people who simply had high school diplomas. They had nothing else. Okay, but the, but all the 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 story has been for a long time that the leisure and hospitality business is coming back because you know the lockdowns basically destroyed it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you know, okay, so your bartender doesn't need to be educated. Maybe maybe he is, maybe he's not, but he doesn't have to be. And so there was there was this barbell effect where people that had bachelor's degrees were getting jobs. And this has been going on for quite a while, uh, long before the pandemic. And I've been noting that this is a really serious problem because the middle class is, you know, to coin a phrase, you know, in the middle, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's the people that have diplomas and associates. All right, the the bachelor's degree has been devalued to the point that in many cases it, it's a functionally worthless piece of paper, and we've done that within our educational system. But nonetheless, the data is what it is, right? And it's the people on both ends. The other thing is that this tech apocalypse that everybody was talking about, I I certainly don't see it. I mean, yes, I saw the layoffs in the degree holders uh, for a couple of months, but. Um, I've, that got absorbed awfully fast. 
Well, a guy that sounds just like you, when all this has happened in January, uh, you said that that would, if if it's severe, those people getting laid off would come in uh, the March numbers. And I don't, I don't know if you were listening earlier. I said the, the anecdotal evidence I get here, which again, just is just talking to people, that the that the people here who got laid off by Google and a couple other places got snapped up. Oh, snap! They, they they found another job pretty quick. Now. Lo- on, a, on a local level, that that can't have happened in Silicon Valley because so many people laid everybody off the same week in the same industry. So there has to be some spots where there's localized issues, aren't there? Or can, or can you tell? Well, you can't tell from that report. I mean, I'm sure there are places in uh, you know that there are localized problems. Okay, but but on a national basis, uh, no, not so much. And you know, and of course. If you're looking at this from a macro point of view, I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean you're not going to have you know, issues within certain areas, and, and you certainly are. But on an overall basis, I, there's no tech apocalypse. It, it doesn't exist. It's nonsense. The people that were screaming about that in various uh, places that might rhyme with zero um, <laughs> or hero. Well, how, what is the... I mean, I, well, I'm asking yeah. you this question. Well, it's, I'm just saying it's nonsense, okay? I mean, the data says it's not there. So... It is what it is, um, but what I think is what I think is interesting about this is that on the lower end, and this was probably the the key takeaway from this report, is that on the lower end we now have two percent um, losses in the last in the last two months. They have lost more than one percent in gross pay. Because not not so much because the their hourly earnings have been cut, but because their hours have. Okay, and so this is and this is in both goods producing and service providing. We were talking about that before you came in. You used to be able to say Carl makes ten bucks an hour. That's four hundred hours a week. Can't say that anymore. Well, that's right. But the but the problem is this: you have a five percent inflation rate. Um, and over two months, you've got a one percent loss in current dollar checks among, and this is the bottom, you know, twenty-ish percent, twenty-five percent. Well, that's if you believe the CPI, which we don't. Well, I don't, but uh, you know, but leave that aside. Yeah. I've got, I've got the bottom quartile of wage earners in the United States that over the last two months have lost more than one percent in actual dollars in the pocket at the end of the week okay now over a year's time that's a you know that's a six and a half percent loss right per year now if inflation is five over two years that's 20 percent yep all right that's enough to put those people in the street they cannot absorb that these are not people that are in the in the middle class wage earner in the upper you know the upper middle class and the upper class these are the people that put groceries on the shelves, they're the people that tend your bars, they're the people that clean hotel rooms, and all these folks that are running around, and I, I'll tell you what, I've got a bunch of them on my forum that have said, oh, no, 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 wages, service industry job, they, these wages, they've been rising strongly. Well, maybe on a per-hour basis they have, but on a per-week basis they have not, and now we've seen the foldover start over here. This is why the Fed can't stop taking liquidity out of the system and must stomp on inflation, because if they don't, these people either die or riot. The only uh, issue I have, and maybe, who knows, maybe even Janet Flanagan might actually be on my side once in a while. Um, the only issue I have w- with what you uh, just said, Carl, is you, uh, by the way, if, if you were to take 
a 12-year theme of this show, and Carl, you've, you've clearly been a part of it damn near from day one, uh, it's that you can't define a recession now or by people being out of work because the people that are, are being traumatized are working. And, right. And, so when you get people on, on national TV and talking heads say, you've got a job, what's your problem? They're idiots because you, 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 you're, you're working all day, maybe even two jobs, and you're losing as you go. That, that's a phenomenon of the last, I'm going to say, 10 years, 15, 20 years. Yeah, but at some point it breaks. Sure it does. The question is, well, it's broken to where people have two jobs. Uh, even the second person in the house now has two jobs. But I guess where my, my... You guys aren't taking into account transfer payments, though. Well, but, but some of that has happened. But it's still, that's not keeping up. Doesn't that... Doesn't the helps a little bit, living? maybe. But well, except the, except the transfer payments have to come from somewhere. Otherwise, they just feed more inflation. But I, the only the thing I will, I will add to what you just said, uh, Carl, and maybe, uh, maybe you haven't thought of it that way, but I read this thing once where they did a uh, <clears throat> study on people at every... Well, I'm not talking about the gazillionaires, but the top, the bottom 90% of people. And they said, <clears throat> okay, what would it take if I had to give you a check? What would it take to make your life comfortable? Not, no, not that you're going to go out and buy 12 Mercedeses and a yacht. Right. And just, and the number came back was like 20 or 25% of one year's pay at virtually every level. Because that's how far everybody was a little bit off their skis. That that would be enough to pay off the credit cards. You know, take the wife to Blue Island or Stony Island for the weekend, you know, and, and all of a sudden be, be comfortable again. I think the people who, let's say, make 250 a year, a couple, you're, you're sort of excluding them. I'm not. I, I think those people who make the 250 a year that bought the house in the Burbs and have the, you know, all of a sudden they need two cars, uh, all of a sudden the cars are 60 grand. Right. The, the, the inflation on, on the, how, the, the tuition the kids are paying. Or, or both, the taxes in the burb they moved into has now doubled in the last 10 years. I think those people are just as squeezed as are to... And in some sense, they're not. But in terms of percentage basis, I think they could be squeezed even more than the person made, making 50 that never never left the hood. Right, and well, they're, just, they're not getting ahead of the curve, then. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. And the, and, and the problem is, I mean, it's, uh, you know, as I, I think I've commented, one of the things that... I've I've been kind of poking around is uh, I have a half ton SUV. I'd sort of like to have a three quarter ton. I was gonna say I can't imagine you having a half ton and not a three quarter ton. Well, I, when I bought it, I had no need for anything bigger than a half ton. I lived in a flat area in Florida, and what I hauled was a fairly heavy boat, but I didn't go very far with it, and it's flat land. By the way, I have a three quarter ton. You know. Well, I you know, but I. But it's twenty three right, so years old. They don't make them anymore. So now, what are you gonna do? Or me? Well, mine's mine's an O two. So there you go. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and so, but the thing is, so I like you know I go and I look at okay Chevy's gas powered three quarter ton pickups right, yeah. their work truck, so we're talking white paint, vinyl seats, rubber floor, roll down windows. Uh, well, I think they're electric now because okay. I don't think anybody makes roll down windows anymore. But their work truck, okay, what they what they sell is a work truck, nothing fancy at all, over fifty grand. I was going to say more than that, but well, it's fifty, and, and this is you know this is a bog standard working pickup working pickup truck in white that you know they assume you're going to go have it wrapped with your logo or painted or you know whatever, right? Um, I I about fell out of my chair. Yeah, oh yeah, 
I, I mean, I, first of all, first kidding. of all, where are you, you going to find it one that's like not a all good tricked deal out? To me. Well, there were three. There were three of them at a at a Chevy dealer not too far from here. Okay, so well, if you're, I wanted one, if I wanted one, I could go get one right now. But well, at that you're, price, you're in Tennessee. Try, try and get one of those in Orland that isn't the top end. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. I, you know, but I could do that here. But I, I'm saying, if you think I'm going to go out and blow fifty thousand dollars on a, you know, on that, you're you're nuts. I think Russell bought the daughter the four door Jeep Wrangler. I think it was sixty. I was just I I was blown away yeah. by this, and the thing is, is that there is no. There is no way that's sustainable across the economy. Okay, no. there's just no possible way. Now, are you going to are you going to be satisfied with the six point liter? Or are you going to go with the eight point one with the Allison Trans? Well, no, it's a, it's the, the 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 standard drivetrain is is a newer version of that. It's a six point two. All right, and a, and a six speed transmission, which has a it, it's it's actually got a pretty good reputation. It's been used for a while. Um, I think so you need a, the eight point one with the Ellison Trans. Um, what I well, if it wasn't for the fact that this this turbo diesel six cylinder is is brand new and God knows how long it's going to run for and whether it'll hold up, I would contemplate that. But that the, but that puts ten grand on the price. Yeah, oh yeah. So well, and then the other thing is the the modern diesels with all of the crazy electronic stuff that's on them. If anything goes wrong with that, I, I have a friend of mine that is a has a, a heavy duty Ford uh, with the with the diesel in it, and on a cross country camping trip last year, he got stranded, literally stranded twice, and it was both both times it was sensors and you know stupid stuff. I like don't that. Th- yeah. Plus the diesel is twenty five cents more a gallon. You don't want any part of that. Well, well, you do if you're towing a trailer, and instead of getting nine miles a gallon, you get it you know fifteen or eighteen. Okay. Trust me, it were the math the math works if you're hauling stuff, but. The problem with it is, is you turn the key and it doesn't start. That's probably and and by the way, you have a trailer and you're in a rest area. You just stop to take a leak. Uh, now you got real problems. Well, if Chevy came out with a three quarter ton suburban again, which they're always, of course, there's not that much difference between a a suburban and and the crew cab pickup. Now that's probably why they're not right. swinging to do it. But what are you supposed? I don't think you get that for under a hundred. I, you know, the the pricing I've seen on the on the fifteen hundred Suburbans is uh, that would be an interesting the, question. Do we know any str- diesel mechanics? You know, it's a, well, that's a problem. So the, yeah. What do they drive? Well, the the issue that you've had with um with with Chevrolet in general is that the reason you could not for a long time get the diesels in their half ton trucks had nothing to do with them not being able to mount them. They were actually, the, the mounts were compatible with the frame and everything. I know somebody that worked at GM, and he said the problem is they won't fit under the hood. They would have to lift the suspension by about an inch and a half, and the focus group said the girls won't buy them. I hate it when the girls won't buy them. Well, that was, a, but that was the reason. Was I want to get in the garage? You know, is more of a problem. Well, they're not going to they're not going to do it for part of the trucks that go down the line. They yeah. set the suspension higher, right? So it would have meant they set it higher on all the trucks. But that meant women wouldn't buy the trucks. Well, every time you go, I mean, what, what does it cost to replace the, the glow plugs and stuff? It's like a gazillion dollars. You got to do that what ninety thousand, whatever. God, we're talking we're talking trucks. But yeah, I don't. I I think Kyle, we're, our our theme here it was the same one with John before you came in. Our theme here is life has changed for a real lot of people. I I don't think that. Uh, I read something last week. Thirty one percent of all the cars sold last year were for above list price. Yeah. First of all, how the hell do you 
Do you go in with a used car that's underwater and you're paying over list price for the car? How, how does that financing work? Well, well, the way it works is that you don't care about uh, whether or not the guy is now underwater twenty five grand. Yeah, I mean, how do you get that loan? Well, well, apparently you do because they did, right? Uh, by the way, you want to know who might actually get uh, might blow up a second time would be Ally because that's GM's captive financing arm as well as being a bank, right? They're they the new GMAC. Up. Right. Well, they blew, you know, GMAC blew up, yeah. right? And and well, that's now Ally. So if if you want somebody you think might blow up again, it might be them. Well, when did GMAC um when, when did they start having mortgage places in bad neighborhoods? Oh, G- GMAC, you know, I, I got my dad out of their notes because they were paying a really nice coupon, and I said, you know, you, you're going to get a zero out of this. These are unsecured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and and by the way, about a, about seven, eight months later, they were a zero. Well, the, for I, those that don't know, they, GMAC used to be, well, in those days, the uh, car, car financing was pretty competitive. I mean, you could go to your bank, go everywhere. Now banks don't, when they might do that anymore. Lakeside, I asked them one day just for the show, I said, uh, you guys do car loans anymore? And I said, "Well, we would for you, but no, we don't have a car loan department or anything." Oh, the oh the, the credit the credit union that I did business with in Florida they they are they're all over that, and they always have been. They do them. Well, I mean, a lot of them come right from the dealer, but but GMAC no, no these guys yeah. these guys do it. But whether or not they will beat the dealer's incentive stuff, the problem is the dealer plays games in the F and I office to yeah. you know basically to buy the rate down. Well, they, it's a it's a flow through that. Going to be guys that are like you and John and me that are all over this antitrust. It really should be John Flanagan goes in and buys a you know whatever a, a wasp car, not not meaning the, the religion, but whatever brand he wants to buy. It ought to be zero financing for five years or three thousand buck rebate or twenty. Should be one or the other. You shouldn't get the advantage just because you're using their bank. Right, but the but that's what they do. That's what they yeah. do. Well, okay, so I mean, how, do, how do we, as the, the societal issue, is not so much that people don't have a job, is that they don't have a job and they're, they're dragging. Nancy was on a couple weeks ago and said, because she, you know, when she does mortgages, she learns more about people than she wants to know. She goes, not only now, because Carl, you've already talked about the change that happened how many years ago, you know the number, I don't. We went from one person in a house working to two, and that was how we sort of got around this for a while. Well, now... That's becoming a problem. But Nancy says you're finding things now where the guy's working, the wife's working. And, oh, by the way, since January, the guy's doing taxes. He happens to be an accountant all day Saturday and Sunday. So there's there's really now three jobs in the family where there used to be one. And that's how we're allegedly making ends meet. That that's happening all over the place now. Well, yeah, but it's but the thing is it can't. And, that, and you know, it, it, you look at what... You look at the collateral knock-on effects of this, uh, and, and all the stuff that went on during the pandemic. One of the things, and I, I had a conversation over a, a beer with uh, somebody that uh, I know. Always the best kind. Best kind of conversations, right? And they were, they were. We got into the whole pandemic. You know, six hundred dollars to people for people to sit around and get drunk all day. And I, I pointed out that my niece uh, had to get up at five thirty in the morning to go stock shelves at the Myers in Michigan, and the guy that lived in the house next door was chucking beer bottles out the open window at 5.30 in the morning Yeah, because because he wasn't essential and she was. Well, the damage that that did to her work psyche, willingness to get up and go do a job, was immense. It had to be. 
you know, here she is busting her butt to go put food on the shelves, and this dude is, you know, is getting trashed on her dime because it's her taxes right. that are paying this. Yeah. yeah All yeah. right. So, you know, but there's but there's more to it than this. Plus, we didn't care if she got COVID or the garbage truck driver or the Uber driver. Well, or the bus well, driver, yeah. well, right, exactly. So then, you know, but then the other thing that goes along with this is, you know, then we put this moratorium on people being evicted for not paying their rent, right? So the little guy who has a couple of ho- a couple of rental houses or a small apartment building, he can't withstand that. No. He's still got to pay property taxes. He's got to you know he's got to pay all the maintenance and upkeep on the place. It, it, he doesn't get a moratorium on that. No. He has to spend the money, but he has no cash flow coming in, and this goes on for a couple of years. So what ends up happening? Distressed sales. Who buys them? Blackstone. Yeah. All right. And then what do they do? They double the rent. Yep. All right, and so now you've got all these people on the other side of the, you know, on the lower economic end of things who are literally getting priced out of all of their housing options. And we did this. Well, so Carl, we, did, we end up having, we have to dash your butt, and of course we'll have you on Friday for the, your, your full shot. What it, it, it goes with, and, and before you came in, Greg was just talking about how the people were being elected here in the city, or Alderman and stuff. They're all like community, not all, but a lot of them are like community organized and stuff. And this mayor, the biggest issue I have with him, and he, you know, turns out the guy might end up being Solomon. I hope so. And if he sat down next to us, he maybe could wow us with his knowledge of this stuff. But my guess is he has no idea of what you just said. Yeah, I know. Well, most people don't. But it's like, you know, and I, as I pointed out to these people, they're like, well, you know, but all these people were out of work. I said, oh, after two weeks to slow the spread, if the people of this country had stuck the middle finger up and said, until I can go have a beer with my buds after work, you're not getting any food, it would have been yeah. over. And we wouldn't have had all, all this stuff that's going on Well, Andre right and I went to it. There's a place down south, maybe someday if you're here for a little bit of time, a steak place that's been there. Well, it was a speakeasy joint in the in the 30s, and it still looks there you like go. it. <laughs> I, think, I think, does that place still have the same drapes, Jan, you think? Uh Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, or the same red carpet, uh, the same piano, and there were people in there. And they weren't supposed to be open, but of course it was open. And they moved the tables maybe a couple of feet apart, but not so far where you couldn't talk to the guy next to you. Of course, the right. bar wasn't supposed to be open. Of course, the bar was packed. And he, I'm talking to these guys next to me. And the guy goes, "I'm working every day." He was in the concrete business. He goes, "Tell me, I can work every day because I'm like non-essential or whatever the hell I am, but I can't go out to dinner. I, I, I'm with people all day long." So the guy's at the next table. He's a bus driver. He's with people all there. Why can't the guy go to dinner? <laughs> it was it was so bizarre as, you, as we've talked about forever. Anyway, we'll talk at you on uh, on Friday, bud. Have a nice week. Nice weather here. Hope there is down by you. Uh, yep. SP futures down twenty three. Nasdaq down one eleven. Uh, John's going to hang on with us. Then Audrey's going to call in a few. Uh, be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Proto-Ruck can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamal. Matt Byrne on the board. We still have Mr. John Flanagan with us. Audrey should be calling in a little bit. Uh, we're, we're leaking here pretty good here. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't heard any real, he- saw any real headlines of if you have Matt, because we were so busy talking about the other stuff, but I have not really uh, seen that much. The only one is one of the biggest movers is Micron, and it's up 329. So the mm. uh, rest of it's not so good. Dow's down 120 now. Um, like I said, SP Futures down 23. Came in, they were unchanged. NASDAQ down 112. So we had an update on Thursday, but now it looks like we're heading the other way. A uh, 10 year, Kyle was just talking about, is down three basis points, uh, 3.35. The Bund unchanged at 2.18. Uh, Japan. Uh, right up near the top here at 0.47, uh, they supposedly are being allowed to fluctuate between 0.25 and 0.50, and it's up near the top end of that range. Again, on Thursday, kind of a dud day. Dow was up 2, S&P up 14, NASDAQ up 91. So, I mean, NASDAQ was 0.8%, so there was some movement there. So this morning, we, in Euro, we've got DAX up 77. Uh, these guys, wait a minute, but these guys are, uh, um, they're going to take some of an Easter break here on some of this stuff, because... Matter of fact, they're not, they weren't even open there because Easter Monday is a bigger day there, I believe. Mr. Flanning will explain this than it is, uh, than it is here. So, all these all these guys are close. I actually they gave these reports, uh, these were the Friday numbers, so they, they traded on the 6th. But as of right now, they're not trading over in Europe. Uh, in Asia, uh, we've got the Nikkei now, these guys traded. They're up 115.4%, Hang Seng up 56.3%. 
Actually, no. These guys are Friday, too. They did not trade. They're not trading today. Uh, the Shanghai is trading. So the only one to trade now are, are, are the uh, the Nikkei and the, and the, and the Shanghai. Shanghai is uh, down 12. Uh, down 12. It's 0.4%. So Hang Seng's closed and mainland China's open. That's somewhat weird, I guess. Uh, we've got oil down a whole penny, 80.69. Brent down 4 cents, 85.08. So quiet in the oil markets today. Natural gas up 6 cents, 207. We've got our bottom on change, 280. We've got gold uh, down 12 bucks now with silver, 2000, 2014. Silver down 3 cents, 25 bucks. Uh, copper down 3 cents, 398. We've got Bitcoin up 137, 28,299 as it stays pretty recently at this 28,000, pretty much locked in there. Uh, U.S. dollar quiet this morning. Actually, it's uh, starting to go up a little bit here. We got the pound uh, under 109, uh, I mean, the euro dollar under 109 at 108.7. We got the pound at 123, so it's it's actually the dollar's rose up since in the last hour somewhat. A lot of stuff moving here, Matt. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7:38 on April 10th, 2023. This morning in Chicago, expect sunny skies right now and throughout the day. Right now it's 49 degrees downtown. Later on, a high of 70. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies, 63 degrees currently, a high of 96. Later on. Sunny skies for the current forecast. 96, they're starting to get up there. I, I, I don't think I can even imagine 96 degrees right now. It's just... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a dry heat. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the MLB yesterday, Cubs lost to Rangers. Final score, 2-8. to eight. White Sox lost as well, 0-1 to one against Pirates. Tonight, White Sox against Twins at 1.10 p.m. That'll be in the afternoon, actually. Cubs against Mariners at 6.40. And Diamondbacks against Brewers at 8.40. Last night in the NBA, Bulls beat Pistons 85-103, and Suns lost to Clippers 114-119. NBA so, season over. That's right. Yeah, the Bulls are in a 10th spot. That's right. We'll Thank try you, and track, See if you track Audrey now. In the meantime, we'll talk to John about some commercial real we estate. We have Audrey with us. Oh, we have Audrey. Audrey, you're with us. Uh, we have you and we have Mr. Flanagan. We'll talk about Morning, some... Audrey. Morning. How are you, John? Good, you? Is that the loudmouth poodle? Uh, yes, it is. She's uh, chiming in on the report. Oh God! <laughs> the uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, Audrey brought the uh, the pooches over to my brothers. But talk about a free for all between the the kids, the dogs, uh, Angelica and her mother. It was uh, it was a big group, John. You would have you would have enjoyed it. <laughs> Sounds like a nice Easter. Oh yeah, well, it was. Uh, um, food was outstanding. Oh yeah, food was in uh was was interesting. Um, uh, Dan's, uh, well, I'll say ex-wife, still friend, was nice enough. She was able to get, I don't know you could do this, she was able to get Google Translate working, so at least we could help out Angelica's mom with a little bit. Oh, good. I didn't know there was such a thing, but yeah. uh, anyway, she was, uh, on the way home, they were giving gotta me Got to get out more. Yeah, I got to get out more is right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to the, uh, the flip one. All right, so, Jan, give us a scoop on the... Uh, and what do you think is going on in downtown real estate? And then Otto will tell us what's going on in the, in the hood real estate. Well, you know, the buildings that have been, I guess, saved from demolition, and I don't think they were seriously considering demolishing them, but uh, the field building, 135 South LaSalle, um, the 100 West Monroe, no, it's the old bankers building on South Clark Street. It's, it's a mixed-use place now. Um, they've all got contracts out now for rehabbing to turn them into housing um, at least 30% of which will be low income housing in at least one case I think upwards of 50% um, I guess this is one way you can make these buildings work 
on paper, but you know, my issue, Tom and Audrey, I think there's there's no way to have a business district and have it succeed as a residential area without replacing some of this stuff with businesses. It doesn't really matter what, what kind of businesses they are, but you, there's no reason for a, a business district that doesn't have any business. And yeah. there's been no planning that I can see that is about attracting um, money makers to the city, m making it desirable to live downtown too. Um, the people who will, will be living in these apartments, I don't know what they're gonna do for income or if they'll all be on whatever, you know, welfare program is the one to get your hands on that isn't that doesn't give the, the, the city any future at all it's not it's not going to grow with that kind of thing one under no, that's, a, that's a frightening thought to think that uh, to vision to envision the loop being a ghost town after what i remember in my life being such an incredibly busy vibrant area and just like literally being a ghost town of empty Giant high rises is it's hard to imagine. No, I don't. When I don't get the uh, the the plan here, there's no. Is there ever a plan in any of this crap? I mean, the it, it, when in our day, uh, well, hopefully it's still our day. The idea of having a downtown area with incredible transportation here, as my stepfather used to say, uh, because we can actually have people. This is you know this is back when a family had one car. You know, and the guy had the car, not always, but that's the way it sort of worked. But the assistant, the secretary, whatever you want to call it, and these were not mostly women, but they were not dumb people. They actually were, were a vibrant part of, of any kind of business. I mean, if you ever if you worked in those places in those days... Oh, the women ran the business. Well, that's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. I mean, they, I mean, they, they did a lot, I mean, a lot of the work for... They, they were the, the partnership between... Usually it was a guy and his assistant, even on a high level, at a treasury level or a controller level. The partnership there was dramatic and how well they worked together and secretarial pools and how they worked together and stuff. But the idea that somebody could walk out of their house and get downtown in a reasonably orderly, fast, safe manner for, you know, 25 cents or 50 cents or a buck in those days, didn't need a car, didn't need anything, was a spectacular advantage for any kind of business because you, you didn't really have to pay the cost of the cars and all the other stuff, insurance. I mean, you know, you walked out the door, you hopped on the subway or the L and here you were or, or Burlington or whatever. Now that's become somewhat of a disadvantage because of the, quote, element that gets down here. Well, if you add on to that, but I mean, the other side of the coin is if, if one of us ever got shipped to New York for five years or two years or whatever, you're not going to do that. You're going to want an apartment near work if you can if you don't have family and if you don't have to so so the combination of those sorts of things when people started living south loop west loop near north those kinds of places was a dramatic thing i don't see the solution if you start putting low-income people in buildings downtown what, what does that solve exactly when, where are we going with that are we, are we turn it into another cabrini green that's what i'm saying are we trying right. to build another cabrini what are we doing well, I think you know the problem is downtown was the epicenter. I mean, the what problem happened when, I mean, there were theaters, there were uh, there were movie theaters, there was live theater, there were uh, restaurants, bars, there were um, movie uh, music venues. There was that was where you went to make things happen, and when 
that started going away when they started closing the shows and the world changed so dramatically and then with the advent of the suburbs and office parks out in the suburbs and it started drawing away and movie theaters opened in your own house and then you had Blockbuster and people, you know, the changes that made all this happen, they never, people didn't envision the, uh, the center of a city going away. They didn't envision the stockyards leaving. They didn't, all the work centers, the, or all the big factories were in all the, in Berwyn and Cicero where the GM plants were, they made telephones. Everything has gone away. So there's, this has been such a long process and all those jobs are overseas. So you almost don't need as many people and that's the frightening thought. Well, that's somewhat of the truth. But so Jan, why, I mean, I lived in a apartment building near North for was it 10 or 12 years on. And it, that building was not, it wasn't the nicest. It was okay. Uh, did not have, uh, go go through the, the reasons why somebody would want some kind of, uh, I won't call it public housing, but uh, what's the term? Uh, low income. Low income. But so if if you get financing like this particular building, I knew the people who owned it. Uh, they did not get any financing from the government, so they didn't have to have any low income. But if you get financing from the city or whoever it is, then you have to have a certain amount of the places low income. But what is going to sound uh, awful? But it it, it shouldn't. Uh, the, one of the nicest apartment buildings I ever looked at the apartments. Oh, you and I looked at a place in there. At a place in Ohio and whatever. The place with the the balconies that like wrap around the whole place. The place is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a nice building. And, uh, Jan, you know, is it the Grand o- It's not the Grand It's the Ohio. It's like an Ohio and Dearborn. Um, beautiful, beautiful place. Two bedroom apartments are the nicest I've ever seen. And, uh, yet. Is that Asbury Place? No, uh, it's, 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 it's a number. It's the 400, okay. 450 something, something. Uh, Dearborn or Ohio, anyway. But they had uh, some uh, low income in there, and I, I talked to somebody in the elevator to work. Played. He says, "You don't you don't want to live here." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Because there'll be a soccer game in the hallway, and you can't kick anybody out." I mean, because the, 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 the it, so it, it's a zoo. People running up and down. I mean, I mean, the, the, the let's put it this way: the, the different groups of people didn't mesh together that well. I mean, uh, I. I'm just saying because you, you think the place is that nice. It's not. I mean, wh- why would anybody w- essentially want that? I, you know. Well, no, nobody except you know, social engineers or community organizers to come back to that thread. It, because on paper, it looks great if, if we can give you know fancy, elegant housing to people who, are, who can't afford it. It doesn't make them, you know, them bad or good. But, but there's some kind of righteousness in allowing these people to live the high life in a, in a relatively you know affluent area, in a building where most of the people maybe are more affluent than the average person. But when you start trying to make everybody get along... Well, I, just want, I just want everybody to be able to afford the place. Yeah, and that's, you know, that to me well, is, is pretty wrong. Until, until you get every... Until, to your point earlier, everybody... You have to figure out how to way to get people to work again. Yeah, I mean, people—you've got to get jobs, whatever kind. There, there has to be a mix of jobs from entry level on up. The way there used to be in neighborhoods that they so you were, <coughs> excuse me, a clerk, 
okay, and then you're able to get your housing, and then maybe you were a vice president, you had your housing. So until we, we figure that out again, and you know, this, the city is basically the same. Could it all be revitalized? Yes. But I think you have to concentrate on your neighborhoods first, where you know, people, again, to Tom's point, you can hop on public transportation that is safe again, which is a huge priority for the city. If you don't make it safe to get around, I don't care what you do to a building, nobody's going to come. Right. So you have to make the reality and the perception that Chicago is safe again so that people will, will come back, employers will want to be here, and then you could proceed forward. But until you could, people believe that their families are going to grow and thrive, that's the difficulty. I want everybody to make enough money to afford an apartment. I don't want, you know. I, well, everybody yeah, wants that, but yeah. you know, I mean, I'd also like to have a, a hundred acre horse farm, but you know, that I can't do either. So you know, now, now with this, not with this boyfriend, you've got to find a different boyfriend. Best ability. Yeah, it's possible, Jan. You get a horse farm; she's yours. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I, I, I got to come back to what David wrote, or you know, it's the real estate guy at the Sun Times. He wrote this a year or two ago about affordable housing, and he said there is no shortage of affordable housing in the city, but there is a shortage of safe neighborhoods. And I don't didn't see anybody else pick up on that in the media, but I think he he was on to what was what was really wrong with housing in the city. It isn't that you can't afford to live in places. There, there's tons of affordable places to live, but nobody can raise a family in them without no, being no. assaulted by gangs or, or being miles away from any services, and there's no jobs either. So, it, it, by, But by thinking that all of a sudden we have to make prime real estate well, affordable housing and think that this is going to solve the city's problems, it's just going to move all of the disaffected people who don't have jobs or, or enough jobs to you know, keep them afloat in, in an ever more inflationary climate and putting them in the in the best buildings that should be used for businesses. This is what this is how they were designed. This is how the loop grew. It was it wasn't designed to be like Soviet style housing, no. you know, in the clouds. And, and no, yet, you, this you, is, you, this is we have to go model. back to like a live works structure where it was easy to like. To, when I grew up, my first job I lived in the Southwest Side. Uh, a, and when I got done with my high school classes, I walked to the corner, hopped on the Archer bus, and took it downtown. I worked at the First National Bank of Chicago. Imagine that, way back when. And I did that all through high school, my first part-time job. I worked for four or five hours, came back home, did my homework. But it was a, a thing to do. I, I literally walked probably 500 feet and hopped on the bus. So that's the type of thing that, again... You have to be able to provide for people, but people. Everybody has to realize that you don't start off with your first job making a million dollars. Well, you, you were lucky because you were you were close enough to Western where you got on the Archer Express. Oh yeah, it was happening. Well, it was happening because if you had the local, it took you forever, but the Express was pretty quick. Just yeah. saying. So that was there. We're dating ourselves for sure. Yeah, but I, but I just I think Janet, the the people. I mean the, I don't I don't. I can't. It's hard for me to explain it clearly on, on radio or podcasts or whatever. The vibrancy that goes with uh, a, something that is uh, the vibrancy that goes with U.S. Steel South Works, or goes with the Hawthorne plant of, I, of Illinois Bell, or goes with the exchanges down here. 
there was there was the reason the exchanges had a bunch of people. Some guys made a lot of dough, but the but they also had huge amount of people that worked for the exchange themselves, the board of trade, the options exchange, and there were on a trading floor there were. You know, there were, there were a thousand traders on, but there were a thousand other people, right, that were clerks or runners and you name it. And and when Audrey became, uh, well, before she became a, a broker, you were a runner for a while. But all the people worked behind the book, all those other places, they all piled in on the Rock Island train from the south side. You didn't have to drive. I mean, it was all part of this, of this, this I'll say, a, almost like a human body where everything works together. You look at it and you say, boy, this is really something. And when you lose it, you just sit there and go, "How do you start that up again?" You don't. I mean, it's it. You know, it's, it's like if you look at somebody who's dead. Well, if I can just get this thing eaten or pooping, I can get it going again. No, you can't. It either all works or it doesn't. And where am I wrong? No. Well, my my uncle, who was you know a traffic cop for years, said that when they cleared the land for the Daily Center, you know, for the court system, the block with between Washington and Randolph and. Clark Block and 47, whatever it was. Yeah, so that when that they started demolition on that to build the Daily Center, this was like in the late fifties, maybe nineteen sixty or so. It killed the loop, and he used to direct traffic at Clark Madison, and he'd done that since before I was born. But he said after that, all you know, there were like eight theaters in that block. Yep, and about twenty cocktail lounges, jazz clubs, shoe stores, shoe repair. I mean, everything was in this one block. That was you know. Once you got rid of that, there was no more nightlife around there, and th- that started to die even more quickly. Um, but once you once you start to discourage people, you you don't give them a reason to come downtown. Um, it's pretty easy to compound that and make it so that nobody wants to come downtown. And I think that's that's where we are now, and filling it up the loop with people who think they're getting the deal of the century because they can live in a nice apartment and pay very little for it, and have that. The, the kind of neighbors that you're going to have walking around or working downtown is is a doomed to failure. That's, well, I think, though, John and Audrey, if you end up attracting, and you know, I'm not a big fan of the place, but if you brought, uh, which we have on the west near West Side, by the way, if you got, I'll pick a number, Microsoft or some re- big research place downtown, where you're attracting uh, either not either attracting people from other parts of the country or the people that are coming here going to school at either UIC or Northwestern or DePaul or Loyola, if all of a sudden now those students that come here for education want to stay here, like people who go to Fordham or someplace and stay in New York, the idea of having a, a lot of people living downtown is not horrible because that's, that's what you do in New York, right? I mean, uh, it's not like having some percentage of the population living near the downtown area or in it. Is a bit, but it should be because there's jobs here. You don't you, you don't bring the people in here and hope there's. It's what we're doing is wrong. I, I think the wrong end. Well, the, you've got to have you have to have a diversified strata. Yes, and jobs to provide that. But unfortunately, I mean, a lot of you know, not everybody is a Microsoft engineer. Right. So until the fact you know, there's the factories, the auto rip, the Ford plants. I mean, it does. It can't exist like it is. And the, the, I believe the world's going to change, and I can see these buildings just falling apart, and being empty, and being, or being bubble blown up down. Well, city planning is a is I a, think that society's not going I'm with you on yeah. well, I can see that too. Well, when you go to the south side, well, as we don't have that much time. Well, that's at the the Bodias, there's a the south side. When you go to the south side and you see block upon block with three or four houses left in it, 
and uh, you say, well, this is kind of a, you know, whatever's going on here, not to mention the crime and all the other stuff. But if you take the, the orange line out the midway and you go through on the back train tracks is what you do, and you see building after building that used to have two, 300 people working there all falling down. There's still some that are there. There's, there's a lot of sheet and tube places that are still there. But, but you look at all the places that there's no longer any jobs, which came first? I, and I, I don't know how... You're not Once gonna, you started yeah. outsourcing everything, well, look at my dad. He worked for Ryerson Steel at 18th and Western. Inland bought them. Yep. They moved out to the suburbs. Then that closed because the, they shipped the, started making cheap China steel. So you've removed all the jobs. You've removed the stability. So, you know, now that we're, we're all, there's no place, if there's no place to work here where you could gradually make your way up the food chain, there's no, I, I, it's hard to find a path for people. What are you doing? Just a, just a really quick question because I'm, I'm, a, I'm past his age, I hope, but uh, if you actually wanted to, you know, maybe you're working in a restaurant, maybe you're not, whatever you're doing, maybe you're tenant bar, God knows what, you see all this construction going on. <clears throat> there used to be, you could go to the job site and apply and stuff. What yep. if I, what if I wanted to be a, a laborer on the Kennedy Project or the, or the, or the Plains River Bridge Project or, or where do I even go? We can, well, we you've ha- got to get a job in a union. You've got to go go through a union shop. You've got to learn get in there because mo- you know as well as I do. It's the city of Chicago's a union city. But they but they used to hire for like laborers and stuff. Guys they used for to the have summer. day laborers. Well, yeah. there's too much regulations with the uh, OSHA and everything else now that I don't believe you could do. There's companies that have day laborers like temp agencies, but I don't even know how big they are. Anymore. Oh, so they they get the thirty bucks an hour and they give you eighteen, right? I see it around my neighborhood here, Tom. There's a, and Audrey, there's a whole stretch of Pulaski Road between Foster and Argyle, where there's a Salvation Army campus, great big open space, part of Gompers Park. It's kind of wide open, and it's fenced sort of on, on one side of Pulaski. But if you walk down there or drive down there, you'll see clusters of about five or six people every hundred feet or so every morning, and they're day laborers that are waiting to be solicited by somebody who needs, you know, gardening or knock down a garage or, or something okay. else. Not, none of it with permits, of course, oh, of or course. anything like that. But, and you know, no no real paperwork. They speak hardly any English. It's not their, their fault. But that there's a thriving economy in this kind of under-the-radar labor market. Um, they're, they're not union jobs, but they're, you know, they're doing the work that a lot of unions do do. And they're doing it more cheaply than you could, you know, get it done by, well, pro- by a labor unions. Providing it for the average person, and that's, you know, that's great. I mean, because how many people could actually go to a regular, let's say you want to fix your house up and you just go directly to a company. Most people go, oh, my God, it's going to cost me get 50 oh, bucks yeah. an hour to get you. I, I can't don't, I don't, I don't know what house you guys, up now. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm shocked. I'm shocked if somebody's willing to work for cash. Oh, uh, uh, you know, that's no surprise, yeah. and the, but there's a lot. Uh, there's kidding. a lot of it. There's well, a lot of, of, of you know. It shows how overpriced everything has become and overregulated. Where people it used to be are, every no every home they're... used to be every Home Depot parking lot. Somebody they see hauling stuff in there and they say, "You sure you want to do that? I'm happy to do it for you. I'm good at it." I mean, I, yeah, I haven't seen that too much. John, we'll see you uh, later in the week as usual. All right, uh, good stuff as usual. By the way, how, give us a shameless plug. How does somebody find you? Oh, if you look at it for buy and sell a house, you can reach me at 708-846-6494. 
or you could just send me an email at AudreyJohnson at Realtor.com. And the, uh, let's just say the Audrey-Nancy combo, Audrey, find your place and, Andrew, and Nancy will get you the mortgage. I don't think you can do any better. How's that for a shameless plug, Aud? <laughs> I love it. Thanks. I agree. SP Futures down 25, Nasdaq Futures down 111. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. My advice to you, start drinking heavily.